Hi there, this is your Value Through Vulnerability host, Gary Turner. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of welcoming Karen Bevan onto the podcast. So Karen's an award-winning HR director and founder of the HR Entrepreneurs Network and the PX Innovation Hub. So Karen and I have known each other for a few years. This is the first time we've managed to have a, a detailed conversation, however, uh, which was really, really exciting for me personally. So we cover a whole range of different topics. Some are common to those that listen to this podcast around self-awareness vulnerability and also um, inclusion stroke diversity uh, we also touch on mental health and also entrepreneurship so it's a really diverse conversation and you know Karen genuinely is one of my inspirations um, within this uh, people uh, centered world that we live in and I think what was really interesting for me was just to to really see and hear just how authentic true and humble Karen is you know her openness to share quotes such as I experienced a personal breakdown and something that she associates and can identify with that actually helped her in her recovery um, as to quote herself, putting herself back together again. Um, you know, it's it takes a lot of vulnerability and a lot of um, strength. And, and I think to, to come from a place of self-compassion to be able to use that sort of language, particularly in the today's always on society. What I was really interested and to learn about, which I w was not uh, aware of, was that Karen's in the final stages of writing a book, which is going to be really, really exciting and, and very powerful, actually, because what, what I can really sense from the way that she's structuring it is that it's, you know, it's going to deal with a lot of those old age conversations around HR, being business savvy, you know, being able to get, get a seat at the top table and all of these um, perennial conversations. It really does seem that Karen's pulling together a book that is something that's going to be a playbook for people to truly make an impact, truly to make a difference in the world of work. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to you listeners um, taking away so many nuggets uh, of insight from Karen today. So genuinely, please have a pen and paper at the ready because there's an awful lot in this conversation. I'm very proud and uh, grateful that Karen was able to join us today. Please do offer feedback to Karen directly via the various ways to contact her that you'll find in the show notes and or to myself directly. And of course, any feedback is always welcome via the iTunes podcast app. And this, this podcast is called Value Through Vulnerability. Thank you. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. This morning, I'm really excited to welcome Karen Beban. Hello, Karen. Hi, Gary. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you today? I'm absolutely awesome. So thank you for joining me today. Would you mind giving myself and also the listeners an introduction to who you are, what you're up to right now, and uh, you know, what's your areas of focus and passion? Yeah, sure, no worries. So um, my background predominantly is human resources. I have had a few, few ventures outside of that, but probably most recently people will know me for my last corporate role, which was as human resource director for River Island. Um, and that was a job that I did for about six years. And prior to that, I had a few other HRD roles. I've mainly operated in the retail industry. Um, again, a few, a few ventures outside of that, but really I'm a retail girl at heart, I think. Um, so, and that, I was in that job up until the end of December last year. 
Um, and this is this is not a secret, but I think I've talked about it quite widely. At that point, at the end of last year, um, I experienced a personal breakdown. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not a phrase that everybody likes to use, but it is a phrase that I associate with. So that's the phrase that I use to describe what happened to me. Um, and really, since then, I've been on a, a personal journey of discovery, putting myself back together again, and working on becoming um, physically and mentally strong. Um, and in the process of that, learning a lot about myself and getting to the point where I am now um, establishing my own business. So I'm now a director of my own company. I have two businesses registered because I can't seem to do one thing at a time. That's a bit of a trait of mine. Um, but really, I'm building um, a, a HR network um, and it'll be a digital platform for people to join. And I'm also doing some coaching and mentoring people as well. Oh, wow. Brilliant. Which of those sort of areas of your work are taking the most time right now, Karen, would you say? So I'm at this point in time, I'm about two weeks away from launching my new website. Um, and then the membership platform will follow beyond that. So that's taken up quite a lot of my time and focus at the moment. Um, and just to combine that with something else as well, I'm in the final stages of writing a book. Um, the book's going to be released in January next year. And it's available from for pre-sale from October through Kogan Page. Um, and that's all about strategic human resource management and really bring in all the things on my experience and the things that I'm passionate about, um, hopefully to a whole new bunch of people. Oh, brilliant. Well, no, thanks for that introduction. And thanks for being so open as well about your, your own mental health challenges. We'll, we'll come back to that if we may, as, as we have our Yeah, talk. sure. Um, just out of interest, you mentioned bringing together the things that you're passionate about. Do you mind expanding on that a little bit? What, what, what are those things that you're particularly passionate about? Yeah, so really for me, I mean, that, there's two things. So the book is really about, um, it's broken into four parts. Um, about knowing yourself, knowing the business that you work in, knowing the industry that you work in, and about knowing your profession, so as in terms of human resources professionals. So that's how the book's structured. And these are things that I think need to come together to enable people working within the human resources context to be able to operate um, at a high level. Um, and within that, I mean, I guess the core parts of that that come into my own business is the things that I'm really passionate about is um, self-care for, again, people working within human resources. I do have some people outside of human resources in my group, but predominantly that's um, that's my audience. I'm kind of comfortable with that because, you know, working in HR is a really difficult thing to do. And you um, I think you don't people don't always appreciate the challenges that come with working in HR. When you're the person that's always there to look after other people, it can be very easily, very easy to um, neglect yourself. Um, and the demands of the job are high um, and you get exposure to scenarios and situations that most other people don't encounter without any formal training so for example you may be in a position where you have to um, support people going through um, their own personal challenges health issues um, terminal illnesses you get exposure to all of the the negative and downside of life in addition to um, all the the positives that go with the role as well, and it, it can be you 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 come face to face with people who need specialist counselling and support as a core part of the job, but actually you are not a trained counsellor and you're not equipped to do that. So you you see it, um, and that does soak in, and you um, that becomes part of who you are. But not all HR professionals have um, support mechanisms in place to help them deal with that. So that's part of what I want to do. 
Um, and I also want to help HR people develop their commerciality um, and build their own personal brands to enhance their credibility as well. So there's a few different elements to it, but self-care and self-awareness is, is a core part of it for me. Oh, wow. Well, that's, that leads beautifully into obviously part of, part of what this podcast is about is around that sort of vulnerability awareness, uh, etc. I'm really interested that you've, you mentioned you've got this self-part and I totally get the self-care. Of course, you're, you know, we've got the self-care weekly Twitter chat, which you're a, a, spot, yeah. a supporter of. So thank you for that. Um, what does self-awareness mean to you as Karen? You know, if you were going to put your description of it, uh, what, what does it mean to you? Um, well, really, for me, it's about um, being, being in tune with who you are at quite a deep level. Um, and not just being in tune with it, but being comfortable with it and accepting it as well. Um, because I think in understanding that, and if, you, if you can be comfortable with who you are, that helps bring you strength and gets you to a position where you can enjoy happiness because you can have strength. Um, yeah, you can have success and happiness at the same time. And I think sometimes people think you have to compromise on that. So being self-aware is about how you find that balance between your ambition um, and the things that you want to achieve and also that protection of how you look after yourself while you get there. Um, and that the work that you do is aligned with your, with your strengths and that you're also aware, aware enough to know what areas you need support with um, and that you, you, you know where to get that support from and you go out and seek it and act on it. Oh, that's, that's really powerful, actually. You know what I love about this podcast, Karen, is that every time I ask that question, you get a different response, which I think is the beauty of the human psyche. You know, they're sort of similar, but slightly different. And what I like yeah. described is really your tying, I can see where your book's coming from now, that, that, really, you know, that full system, almost human system from self-care through to striving to actualization because we only look at don't we people only yeah. seem to recognize the actualization piece they just Absolutely. feel guilty for the self-care piece yeah and you shouldn't feel guilty about it there's no you shouldn't feel you shouldn't feel guilty about wanting to be successful and wanting to be fit and healthy at the same time but sometimes i think we get ourselves into this position where we feel we have to compromise our health in order to be successful where does that belief come from and um, we, we put it on ourselves and um, but you, you can have both you just need to take conscious action to look after your self-care on your journey to success. Cool. Wow. I, I, I tell you, if you listen back to these podcasts, these little hairs are going on their end yet again. What a beautiful, <laughs> no, what a beautiful way of putting that though. That is really powerful, Karen. That is really, really powerful because there is that trade-off. I know I had mm. my own trade-off. You know, I've strived till the age of what, 40 before sitting there and going, oh, 12 months ago, you know, what's all this for? Yeah. Nice car, nice house. Yeah. It's great. But what does it give you in yeah. here? How yeah does it move your soul how does it enrich that and it seems to be we've sort of grown up on a generation or maybe multiple generations of aspiring for things rather yeah. than contentment and being present and community is that something is that is that off the how do you sort of see that yeah i do see it that in the same way that you do i think i think really for me the, the thing that i encounter most when i work one-to-one -one with clients as well is that it is um that guilt thing that you mentioned is really important and that crops up a lot. Like we do feel like we have to sacrifice ourselves in some way um, in order to be successful. And that is through, I think that comes through generations of seeing how people have struggled and it's the models that we have. So if we've seen people struggle to get success, we then associate that in our minds that there must be a struggle to get success. And you get into this pattern of working long hours um, not eating properly, not sleeping properly. Um, and we grow up on this culture that something has to give in order to be successful without challenging it. 
if you do stop and challenge it, you start to realize that there is another way. And I might say something controversial now, but it's something that I think is important to say that it's probably becoming more of an issue now because we have um, big personalities like Gary V. Um, if you think about Gary V, and I do, like, I do, I have read Gary V's books, and there's a lot of what he says that I resonate with, and I think that is absolutely brilliant. Gary V's big thing is hustle, 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 um, hustle, and you work, and from that you you get the implication that um, he works hard a lot of the time, and he's maybe compromising other things in his life. There's an assumption maybe that he compromises other things in his life to be constantly visible and hustling to achieve success in business <coughs> and that may or may not be the case but people have this a lot of people that I talk to have this perception that we need to hustle and in hustling again that takes away from self-care and what if you turn that hustle energy into self-care first enabling you to be physically and mentally stronger than you've ever been that then enables you to deliver better work which has a bigger impact rather than burning yourself out to deliver perhaps not your best work. So I think hustle is good, but direct it in the right way. If you direct hustle towards self-care, really powerful things happen. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I follow the likes of, of Gary Vee as well. And like I say, great character, great, mm. great brand. And I guess that's the important thing here, isn't it, actually? Yeah. We've moved from print and we've moved from other ways of communicating to online. And everyone knows yeah. about, you know, you know, the risks of social media and how you can become an echo chamber, etc. And I guess there's a risk there, isn't there, that if someone only looks at the likes of a Gary Vee and they believe that's the only way to be successful, then mm. that, that can breed mental health challenges to, to some extent. If people think that's the only way. Yeah. Mm, interesting. You've got me thinking already, Karen. You've got me thinking. You mentioned yeah. about, um, you know, you, you sort of acknowledge that the, the sort of guilt aspect with some of your coaching work comes up quite regularly. Are there mm. other aspects that you see as common themes? There may not be. I'm not looking to, to put sort of words in your mouth, but there are other aspects of consistency that you see as challenges for, for your coaching clients in the current world you live in? Um, yeah, I guess there are. Um, and to keep it relevant to, to what we're talking about today, I guess the thing that I start to see, it's, it's a bit of a, the start of a downward spiral is a pretty consistent trait that I see when it happens. And it starts in a very simple way in that um, people are, they, they can't switch off. So if I sit with somebody on a one-to-one -one basis and they've got their phone, they've got, they've paid for an, an hour with me, you know, um, and yet the phone's there and they need to, they can't de detach from it. Um, and it, you can tell that when they're asked to put it away, that's, it becomes uncomfortable for them. So I think, that connection to feeling like you're you you can't do that is is a, a warning sign. Um, and then if you um, if you say to somebody, okay, so what did you what did you have for lunch yesterday? What 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 kind of choices are they making? Have they had lunch or oh I just grabbed something or um, you know I just sat on my desk and ate it. So starting to neglect diet and exercise when was the last time you did any kind of physical exercise and these are people think this is weird when i start talking to them about this in a coaching scenario but this, this is your foundations guys you know if, if, you, if you 
you're not going to be successful unless you're really rock solid yourself. And if you can't remember the last time you did any exercise, and exercise is relevant to, to you as well. I'm not saying everybody needs to go down to the gym. There are things that you can do very easily at home or go for a walk. Um, that's a warning sign. So there's no, the diet's poor. There's no physical exercise or limited physical exercise and no appetite to do that. That's a big warning sign for me. Um, and they're simple, simple things to detect. Um, and then you kind of get into, and what do you do for fun? Tell me what you, what you, you love doing for fun. What do you do to um, enjoy yourself? People are struggling with that question. Massive warning sign and a massive consistent train. People who are about to embark on a, or maybe already is part of this cycle of um, poor self-care. And it's that, that's when it starts to impact on your performance because you're not fueling your body and your mind in a way that's going to enable you to perform. So what you then do is start to think, all right, I've got to work harder because I'm not performing, I'm not hitting my targets, I've got to work harder. And then it starts, you know, it's, um, it's a vicious circle because the harder you work, then the more you neglect the self-care elements. Yeah, no, th th thanks for sharing that, Karen. That, that, that's a really helpful tip for anyone that's listening as well. You know, if they can see that in themselves, you know, maybe yeah. have a look in the mirror and just check yourself <laughs> a little bit as well. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. We, you, you very kindly, let's, I just want to sort of segue a little bit into the vulnerability conversation. As you know, I'm on a bit of a, bit of a crazy vulnerability journey myself after my own mental health challenge and yeah. you know, sort of acknowledging my early stage bullying and these sort of things, which I'm only starting to unpack um, quite recently. <coughs> um, a really cool strength and resilience 10-day challenge under your, your private Facebook group. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? How did that come into being? You know, what, what, what it, what's the Facebook group's name, etc.? Yeah, so I have a Facebook group called the PX Innovation Hub. PX standing for People Experience. Uh, so PX Innovation Hub. Um, and in this group, what my aim is, is to create a community of like-minded people, um, some of who will work in HR and some of who don't work in HR. But the core theme is that they want to um, improve the experience that they're delivering to people who work in the organizations that they work in, or they want to improve the experience of life for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so there's two things coming together here. Um, and it kind of brings in the, the core things that I was talking about earlier. So we're gonna look at things around self-care. We're gonna look at things around um, how to improve commerciality. We're gonna look at things about how to improve personal brands or to give people more confidence and to be able to be more productive and effective and to increase their chances of success, either on a corporate level or on a personal level. So one of the things that I knew I wanted to do based on my experience was I wanted to um, really elevate this conversation around strength and resilience and bring in some really cool techniques that I've learned on my, journey, my recovery journey. Because I, you know, I ended up in a and &E. I was in a very bad place at the start of this year. Um, and I've been working on this journey for the duration of this year. And along the way, I've, had, um, I've sought professional help. And I've done that in conventional ways. And I've done that in non-conventional ways. And that's a whole other story. Um, I'll, I will, I'll categorize it as woo-woo. But I've embraced the woo-woo as well as embracing the conventional therapy. Um, and through this journey, I've tried everything. Basically, I've tried everything to become mentally and physically strong again. And what I wanted to do was to bring in some key techniques um, that I've learned on my journey that I know helped me and to help share those with other people. And so what I wanted to do was to do a 10-day challenge in my Facebook group. 
to help people improve their own levels of strength and resilience. Um, and I wanted to give people one thing that they could take away every day to do a technique every day for 10 days to help get them into a better place and to improve what, how they felt about their own strength and resilience. And I wanted to encourage people to do one thing every day to prioritize their own self-care. So just do one thing, whether it's going for a nice walk or treating yourself to a lovely meal, having a long bath. Do something that enables you to put your own self-care first. It's that whole cliche about, you know, put your own gas mask on before you help other people. Gas mask, oxygen mask is probably, <laughs> yeah, oxygen mask is probably the best. Depends where you are, Karen. Depends where you are. <laughs> yeah, it depends where you are. It depends where you are exactly. Um, so yeah, oxygen mask. <laughs> but help, help yourself first is what I was going to. Um, and that prompted me to want to do this, this live challenge. And I'll be honest, it's absolutely terrifying. It's one of the most terrifying things I've ever done. But I knew I needed to push myself through it. And um, I work with them. I have mentors myself. And my mentor was pushing me and encouraging me to do it. And she did help. She gave me a friendly kick up the butt to get my act together. And to do this, this stuff. Because she's you know, basically, forget yourself. You know, it's, forget how this is going to make you feel. You need to concentrate how you want to make other people feel. And when she did that, my whole mindset shifted. And thought, you know, yes, it's not about me. It's that I want to share some useful information here. So I need to kind of get over myself and just get out there and do it. Now, I wear, um, I wear like a fitness tracker. I wear a Fitbit that monitors my heart rate. And I'm not joking you. That day, the first day when I did my first Facebook Live, with I think one minute to go before I needed to press the go live button, my heart rate was up at 93. <laughs> but it's normally in the like 50s. <laughs> so it gives you an indication of, how um, uncomfortable I was at that moment in time going into that first Facebook Live. It was terrifying, um, but got in there and did it. And what I wanted to do on that journey, so I was literally consistently every day for 10 days going in there, sharing my technique and where I could, um, opening up about bringing in the practical experience that I'd had and the position that I got myself into because I wanted to share very, very openly what happened to me um, because I think it helps. And I, it, it helps other people to know that they're not alone. And it actually helps with your own recovery journey as well. Because when you put it out there and you say it, you re A, realize how far you've come, um, but kind of start to normalize the conversation, which is, I think, one of the things that we all need to be doing. Um, at the start of my journey, people told me not to do that. People are going to judge you. If you go out there um, and start to talk about what happened, somebody actually said to me, there is still a stigma attached to this. So I recommend that you don't do it. So clearly I listened to that. I heard the words that they said and I need to share my story and open myself up and share my story on any platform that will hear it. So that's, that's how I took that piece of advice. Uh, Karen, I just want to say thank you for doing that as well. I, I participate when I could, which I think is for about five, five of the 10 days. And I do recommend anybody join, you know, do reach out to Karen and join it because you demonstrate so much humility and vulnerability, Karen. And I think hearing you talk about that example of someone else's reality, they're trying to tell you in their world, that's a bad thing to do, therefore you shouldn't do it, Karen. And I think this mindset piece is so important around, you know, just being clear that actually you've only got your mind and thoughts to manage. You know, it, it's not about, you, know, you can serve other people as you're doing, but it isn't about the other, per it's not about the other person's view of you, is it? It's just about what do you no. believe is the right thing to do? Absolutely. And I think I came through so strongly with that. So thank you for doing it. It was 
So what does vulnerability, obviously you experienced vulnerability, your heart rate going through the roof before you went into it. Do you see vulnerability as a good, bad or indifferent thing? And I'm talking about emotional vulnerability here rather than the sort of system vulnerability. Yeah. And again, it depends on what your frame of reference is and how you associate, how different people associate that word. I mean, for me, vulnerability, um, it's, I mean, obviously I'm quite comfortable with it because I share quite openly, but I know it's not that easy for, for everybody. But for me, it's about um, just being human and showing your human side. Um, and in a work context, I think that is accessible to everybody, but some people have barriers to that, some that they impose on themselves and some that um, other people impose on them. So I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm quite a strong-minded person and that I can listen to somebody give me a piece of advice and then I assess and decide not to listen to it sometimes and for some people you you listen to it and you take it to heart and that's completely normal and um, so for some people barriers to vulnerability can actually be enforced by other people whether it's family friends or um, in a professional capacity it could be somebody who you perceive as being more senior than you so um vulnerability is about this human piece and I think it kind of touches a little bit on maybe what I said about my experience about doing the Facebook lives as well. There comes a point where you have to get out of your own way and we are our biggest blocks of vulnerability ourselves. And there's a bit of a, a technique and a learning and just knowing when to get out of your own way and how comfortable you are about opening up about things. I'm not saying that everybody should share everything all the time, you do what's right for you and what feels comfortable for you at the stage of the journey that you're at and find somebody to work with either a coach or a mentor or a trusted friend who you can talk to openly about it because that's the important thing i think we all need somebody we can be vulnerable with at some time in some capacity if you try and contain everything that's going on yourself that's a recipe for disaster as far as i'm concerned no th thank you for that yeah got got, got, got me thinking as well because it's i think like the mental health first aid movement which i think is a really positive thing i think is it natasha devinson i think it's 150,000 signatures now where they're yeah. trying to make it compulsory for mental health first aiders as well as um, physical first aiders and i think that's such a powerful movement right now is that is that something you sort of support as well i guess um karen or yeah absolutely i mean i um, i add my wherever i get the opportunity to i add my voice to um and my support to any initiative like that i think we are, we need to open up the conversation um and we need to role model that it's okay to share mm -hmm. when you're at the point in your journey where you feel comfortable to do it because in doing that you can then go back and unpick how you got through the journey yourself and in doing that you then help other people follow that those steps that are right for them right no th th thank you for that out of interest, just to, just to change our discussion a little bit, what's, who or what is inspiring you the most right now? You can only pick one thing. Um, I, I would really, really struggle to pick one thing. Okay, go on, you can. The thing, <laughs> right, okay. the thing that's inspiring me most right now, I mean, it's not one person. It's more just, um, it's an experience of, the thing that's inspiring me most is the experience of not feeling like I have to control everything, which is a bit of a weird thing to say, but I came from my back for a long time. I was in that corporate HR director role and um, you, 
you don't get to do a job like that and throw yourself into it in the way that I did without perhaps in knowing how to control certain things. Not saying that you control everything, but you have to have a vision and you have to bring people with you on a journey. Um, so I'm kind of like my, my part of my issue was I need, I felt this urge to shape, control, drive, direct, and um, move everything in a certain direction. And perhaps even more, more so because I've had an amazing team in my job. So they, it were enabled to grow and, and share their, their vision as well. But perhaps more at home, I, I'd, I like to know where I'm going, have a plan, structure things. And was pretty good at organizing my life and myself down to, you know, what shade of tea I like to drink. I like to control everything and know what was happening when. And I think perhaps the thing that is, is inspiring me most now is just having let go of that, going with the flow a little bit more. And I am consistently inspired on a daily basis about the things that happen when you create space for things to happen. Because when you try to plan everything, there is no space for anything other than the plan that you create and the direction that you travel in. Occasionally things will disrupt you and throw you off course, but pretty much there's no surprises. If you open yourself up to possibility and to create space, um, it's very easy for inspiration to come in consistently. And I know you're, um, you're, quite, you're a mindful person that you invest time in doing that for yourself. But that's another key thing that's happened for me as well, just to create a little bit of space, just to be quiet with myself every day. Um, meditation to an extent, but create thinking space, allow space for inspiration to come in. So inspiration does come for me in lots of different ways. Um, and opening up to the possibility of that has only been a positive thing for me. Well, to be honest, it's not a funny thing. You've actually answered it in a really different way. And I, I just think it's really powerful because you're right. We, you know, everyone, it's too easy to throw away always on culture, technology. But at the end of the day, and what, what I'm really looking forward to getting your book, by the way, the way you're, you're speaking to this, we've got a lot, you know, we've all got the same amount of time. You know, we, yeah. we do actually choose what we do. And I think there's that lack sometimes of accountability to say, I'm going to give myself half an hour. Or like you say, I'm going to take my lunch or I'm going to go mm -hmm. to the gym through fear of someone else thinking or seeing or doing based on, on whatever action you do. So just creating that space, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that's inspiring you, Karen. I think that's brilliant. And is that, is, yeah. that so, is that something that's quite, is that quite new for you? Or is it something that's sort of like been consistently evolving as you've sort of recovered from your, from your challenge or? Um, it's something that I've learned that I needed to do as part of my recovery journey. I never, so I never used to do it. And it's something that I needed to um, learn how to do. I had to have help to help me learn how to do it. And then what happens is when you've been through an experience like that, you'll, you'll know, um, is that it's very easy, certainly in the early stages of your recovery, and early stages is different for different people, to kind of get this draw and this compulsion to go back to the old you and the way things were is very strong. So you have lots of things trying to pull you back to operate in that same way. So it's a tough thing to do to then start to move into the new world and establish your new habits and practice um, and just accept that, there's no going back. You can't, things aren't going to get back to normal in the same way that you thought they were once normal because that doesn't exist anymore. Normal becomes something different and it's what's normal anyway. Um, so there is a piece about that creating this new part of you um, and this new way of being. And this, um, I think this practice of creating space, the more you do it, the more you start to trust in it, but it does build up over time. 
and you're probably talking a couple of months to really see the benefits from it but you can start doing a little bit every day um, but it does take time and the more you get comfortable with relaxing the more you start to release stress and the more you start to trust the in see the results of not controlling everything and that actually that's a better place to be because you enjoy you have more space to do things that you enjoy doing you start to feel happier um, and actually the work that you then do is of a higher quality again so you, you then start to see the positives but you have to go on that journey and experience the small wins and start to see the positive um the positives to really trust in the process just think something that's really jumping out to me in our conversation so far Karen, is just around this let's say just stopping allowing yeah. you know allowing your mind to catch up yeah allow your body to catch up you know just be present and instead of just running continuously yeah. towards whatever the task might be it seems to be just such a, a key theme for what we're discussing isn't it I think it is. And I think this is something you can do for yourself. It's something that you might need help with doing. Um, and as you, as you kind of, as you get it, when you get to a point where you get it yourself, um, you then start to realize that conversation, you'll be having conversations on a daily basis, depending on the, 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 the work that you do, but potentially you could be having conversations on a daily basis that enable you to hold that space for somebody else as well, where you, um, you have a moment where you can just share something with them or give them the space that they need without feeling like you need to fill every minute of a conversation and just allowing them to, you know, you don't need to jump in and speak immediately after they've finished speaking. You can just pause um, and hold that space because even those couple of seconds, the thinking time, then enable people to um, experience a little bit of this. So think about holding the space for other people as well as for yourself. No, thank you for sharing that, actually. And again, what I'm taking away from what you're saying, Karen, is by making the space to listen to yourself, you can then listen better to others for all intents and purposes. Yeah, yeah because you're in a better place to be enable you to do it. You can't help anybody else if, you, if you've not got a handle on your own self-awareness. No, love that, love that. I've just got a vision of me putting my gas mask back on, but we'll, we'll move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always like having a giggle with you, uh, Karen. It's brilliant. Um, just, just to move, move on, because I'm conscious of time. Again, I can talk, talk to you for days. Um, but if we just take you back a little bit, a couple of years, if I may, towards when you won the HR Director of the Year, which is amazing. I think 2015, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, just want to have a sort of, as part of this discussion, I'm trying to sort of move towards inclusion as well, because I think it's such a fundamental part of how society is moving forward. How are you seeing things with your sort of coaching clients? What's your personal perception of the move towards more diverse boards? Is it happening? Is it still just being talked about? And again, this can be a very personal or it can be based on conversations you're having. But I'm just, I'm wondering what Karen's seeing in her world right now around, you know, us moving towards genuinely inclusive organisations going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a massive shift. So the conversation is pretty consistent. So um, if I think back even the past five years, maybe more, it's not, this is not a new conversation. I think we all accept that. It's not a new conversation. And you could probably think back and say, it's probably beyond, goes further back than five years. So yes, we're making steps in the right direction. Um, has there been a massive shift? Has something instigated a massive shift here? No. Will it ever? I don't know. Um, 
I don't, I genuinely don't, I don't, genuinely don't have the answer to that. So I think everybody, certainly um, that I talk to, it's on the agenda. People are aware of it and are wanting to make positive steps in the right direction. Um, and in some cases, yes, that's happening. But it, it, it does feel like it's still a challenge for some people. And I don't know what the answer is. If I knew the answer to that, then I'd have a whole other business, I think, <laughs> helping, supporting people with that. So I don't know what the answer is. So I guess uh, it is still an issue. It's, it, the conversation hasn't shifted all that much. I think it's still, it's still a very, very important issue. We're gradually moving in the right direction. Um, I haven't seen any massive, massive shift. It's interesting. I'm reading quite a lot around, you know, a number of reports from the likes of KPMG and other people in the last couple of years that are, you know, for, for organizations that are more metric heavy than people heavy still, in my opinion, which is why it's great you're doing the work you're doing, Karen, to try and shift that dial. There's, I, I share that though. There's still a lot of talk, but the evidence, the metric ROI, evidence for more diverse boards and organizations is there. We will mm. make more money. There will be yeah. more productivity, yet it isn't moving quickly. So there's definitely... There's something in the way where it's, you know, patriarchy or something else, something stopping that movement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's an, maybe it is something that takes a, a longer period of time to come through because it's, um, you know, it can take where, where some boards are very established. Um, you know, maybe it's just that whole mindset thing. It's not so, it doesn't happen overnight, but it's going to take people like you and me and everybody else who's got a voice in the community to keep up the conversation because it, it can be easy sometimes to get a bit of fatigue with it and say, yes, we all know about it. We're doing it, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I think even though the conversation has been going on for a long time, it's going to need a couple of shining stars to make sure that it does stay alive and perhaps, um, is presented in different ways just to try and crack through whatever it is that that's just stop stopping that leap for almost it's like it, it, it needs to be there needs to be a leapfrog movement so we've been moving and moving and moving in a gradual way but perhaps now the the real opportunity is for something or someone to come along and leapfrog so we've got to move forward a couple of steps at a time rather than just one lovely no thanks for that i'm interested in just just want to ask the question of you you're very entrepreneurial there's something about you that is just do you think entrepreneurial ability or mindset do you think it's something that's innate or is it something that people can learn just out of interest I, a degree of both I think some people naturally have an inclination it's in, in their in their blood almost um, and it can be in terms of the environment that you grow up in if you see unobserved people working in, in that way then it kind of it's it's an easier journey. Um, I also equally believe that anybody can learn to be more entrepreneurial and do it in a way that's right for them. So not every entrepreneur is going to be running multiple businesses, making millions and millions of pounds. So anybody can be entrepreneurial in a context that's right for them, um, and that could be a developing um, a side hustle use the word hustle in the, the context that we described earlier. So it's in a way that's channeled in the right way. So you could develop um, a side hustle that is right and aligned with you. If, um, and this is the key thing for me about if you want to do something entrepreneurial, but you don't feel that it's naturally your skill set. the key to it is that thing that you choose to do, you have to be madly, wildly passionate about. If you're madly, wildly passionate about something, 
And if you're good at it, and if there's a market where people will pay you for it, hell yes, you can be entrepreneurial. You might just need somebody to support you along the way and give you the technical advice in terms of setting things up that you might not have. But if you've got the passion, if there's a market and if you're good at it, yes, absolutely anybody can do it. Cool, love it, love it. Such a, such a passionate response. Thank you, Karen. I love that. Okay. I, love my, I always think my mum, a good example is my mother, bless her in West Wales. She's an entrepreneur. She's had a little shop. Doesn't turn over more than probably a hundred grand a year, but she loves it. She's good at it. And she, and she, and she's successful. She's got customers. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, quite, it's quite nice. You make me think. So shout out to my mum. Well done you. Very proud. <laughs> so just as we come to wrap up, um, I just want to, I want to go back to your book a little bit again, just briefly, Karen. I see, because we're talking about this self-organization sector, you know, in the HR angle. Yeah. Is there going to be any sort of future opportunity to work with Karen off the back of the book? Are there going to be sort of workshops linked to that? Are there going to be sort of programs come off the back of that? Is there anything else sort of tied to that going forward, just out of interest that you might want to speak about? Uh, yes, without doing the hard sales thing, because I don't want to do that. Um, but um, just interesting. You know, I'll talk to you about a couple of things that I'm planning and that I'm working on. So, I'm, and I'm just, I'm, I'll be honest, my focus at the moment is getting the book finished and setting up my website and it's taking quite a lot of time but once this is done then you'll see a lot more from me so in essence yes there will definitely be workshops so I'm going to do public workshops um, that people will be able to book onto um, as part of my website there will be the opportunity to join to join a membership community which is exclusive um, so you pay a relatively low monthly fee in my opinion to be part of a digital community um, where I will be sharing all of the models and the um, experience that I have um, in the areas that I've already discussed will be exclusive to that community. Um, and I'll also do some um, meetup events as part of that community as well, all to support the entrepreneurial side of HR and self-care and helping HR people build their own brands. All of that will be inside the membership community. And then I'm considering, I'll just see if there's a market and appetite for it, um, a group mentoring program for next year as well. And I've got a couple of really cool collaborations coming up with fantastic people that I can't say too much about now. Um, but perhaps one of the first places I'll be sharing that information is in my existing Facebook group. So if you're in that Facebook group, the PX Innovation Hub, you'll be one of the first people to hear about um, the new things that I'm doing. And I'm also planning another 10 day challenge in there too. Ooh, okay. Um, so um, look out for that as well. And it will be on a different topic this time. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you for that. Do you want to actually, while we're sort of just giving a bit of update how, you know, what you're working on, maybe how people can reach out to you, Karen, what's, what's the best way for people to, to contact you, social media and other websites, etc.? Yeah, so um, I'm on LinkedIn. So I think it, people can find me on there. Um, and I'm on Twitter. Um, my, on Twitter, it's K underscore Bevan, B-E-A-V-E-N. Um, so yeah, re probably reach out to me on social media is the best way. Um, I, the Facebook group is a great, if you comment, if you're in the Facebook group and you comment, I'm going to reply to you if you comment in there. So if you want an immediate interaction, my new website is about to go live in two weeks and there's a holding page up already and that's karenbevan.com. Really hard to remember. Um, but there's a, there's a contact form on there as well. So if you're not too comfortable with, with social media and I know not everybody is and that's fine. Um, so you can just have a look at the new website and there is a holding page there already and you can message me direct through there. 
Fantastic. Well, look, you've been an absolute joy, Karen, and uh, for everyone that's listening. So Karen and I bumped into each other probably about half a dozen times at different CIPD events over the last four years. And this is the first time we've got to have a good quality conversation. So thank you very much for that, Karen. <laughs> oh, thank you, Gary. And Gary, thank you so much for creating the podcast and, um, and sharing your work with everybody because it's a really valuable thing that you're doing too. So really well done. Oh, well, thank you very much, Karen. And a final note for our podcast goes out to Prince William, who today has just published Heads Together. There's going to be a website that is backed by our royal family that's going to be putting out a load of content on behalf of mental health as well. So that just shows you where the dial's moving, Karen, doesn't it, in terms of mental yeah. health? So Great stuff. Great. Well, thanks, thanks, Karen. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Brilliant. Thanks, Gary. Bye. Hi there, just your host, Gary Turner, wrapping up this quite incredible podcast with, with, with Karen. I said you'd need some pen and paper, didn't I? Um, some of my key takeaways um, were actually, a really important reflection, actually, is that working in HR is actually a really difficult thing to do, you know, with all of the, um, the mud plight that does get slung at HR at times. Um, you know, I, I think Karen's reflection around you get exposure to scenarios and situations that most other people don't encounter and without any formal training. And I think that's a really, really important point and maybe a, you know, so certainly a reflection I'm internalizing um, around the fact that you know, HR, many HR people aren't trained to deal with a lot of the things that do come onto their desk. So uh, an important reflection that. In terms of self-awareness and vulnerability, I really enjoyed Karen's um, definition as to what self-awareness means to her, which is being in tune with who you are at quite a deep level, being comfortable with it and also accepting it. This reminded me of um, a, a blog post that I actually published quite recently called Acceptance. For the first time in my 40, nearly 42 years on the planet, I truly believe that I am actually enough as a human being, which is actually quite a big statement to make um, after many years of striving and um, focusing on the, on the wrong things in terms of materialism. So, you know, that really resonates with me, um, Karen's interpretation of self-awareness. In addition, vulnerability to her means being human, showing your human side. So like other guests on this podcast to date, there's a very close relationship between self-awareness and vulnerability. Uh, and this is also something that does come up in that trust equation that was uh, referenced by Helen Amory back in um, episode one of this podcast series. In terms of how helpful self-awareness can be, I think there's this really strong correlation um, in, in terms of how Karen sees self-care and self-awareness. And one of the other things she mentioned was being self-aware as to how you find that balance between your ambition and the things you want to achieve and the protection of how you look after yourself as you get there. I think this, you know, everyone talks about life being a, a marathon and not a sprint or whatever other metaphor you want to use. But I think it's a really, really important one, which is, you know, I, certainly if I look at the, the media, if I look at my peers, if I look at pretty much anyone I speak to, or even indeed how capitalism is set up, we're striving to grow, we're striving to be the best, we're striving to make more money, we're striving to own more things. And it's not enough conversation around actually, how are you looking after yourself? How are you looking to stay present? How are you looking to keep your mind decluttered? How are you looking to make sure that your physical well-being and your, your diet is okay? And I think, you know, Karen clearly is in a really, well, I think a really strong space, A, because of her experience and B, because of what she believes in, that she's really going to impact the world through really looking at that full, full life cycle, really, of, of us as human beings, how we look after ourselves and how only by looking after ourselves 
can we make the biggest impact on the world? And I really took that away as a, as a strong reflection for me personally. And I think finally for me as a, as a wrap up, I really enjoyed hearing Karen talk about what entrepreneurship means to her. And, and she said to me, you know, if you, are, if you are wildly passionate about something, if you're good at it and there's a marketplace for it and people will pay you for it, then hell yes, you can be entrepreneurial. There's a wonderful reflection for me. There's a lot of talk about intrapreneurship um, as, as, as a new way of trying to operate within organizations. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful um, reflection to wrap up my, uh, my takeaways from this discussion with Karen. I have many, many more, um, but I have to keep this to a few minutes. So I hope that those resonate with some of the listeners. Please do reach out again to Karen and please do leave some feedback on the iTunes podcast app. Uh, with regards value through vulnerability that that will help people find us should you find this podcast of value hope to hear you hear from you and also hope that you will join us on the next podcast thank you